We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DTF podcast. Yes, that is right. It is Monday morning. I don't even know what date it is. It's 10.06 a.m. Eastern time, the only legitimate time zone. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me today Terrence Oglesby and John Fanta, who's coming to you live from a, uh, a hotel in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And there's no Michigan games going on. Fanta, what are you doing? What's going on here? Well, I'm about an hour away from East Lansing to make it over to Michigan State today. As we're, I didn't know it was that close. It's an hour. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually found this out as well as so I was doing the drive from Cincinnati. On the way to East Lansing, had after dark last night, and we had an 8 o'clock Eastern time show. So I got the car about as far as I could get it, and Ann Arbor was the tipping off point. So got here. We did the show on Sunday night with Megan McEwen and Randolph Childress. A fun show. Got some rest, and we'll complete the drive off of our pod for a 2.30 Eastern Time showdown as we're talking between number three Purdue and the Michigan State Spartans. So heading to the MLK game of the day, uh, and it comes in the Big Ten, and it'll be interesting to see how Michigan State, how they plan to guard Zach Eady because at Big Ten Media Day, fellas, Tom Izzo said the only person who could guard Zach Eady is God. <laughs> Sha- hey, look, his name is Shaq Eady. Okay, he goes by Shaq Eady around these parts. God, um, that's back to back games. God, God does have a long wingspan. God does have a long wingspan. <laughs> that's back to back games of the day for you, Fanta. We are going to get into that because we got to talk about what happened at the top of the Big East. Um, but before we do, look, I just want to, I want to open up the floor here. All right, mm-hmm. I want to go to To, and look, Fanta, me and you. What, what did you what do you say on broadcast when you just lay out me and you just got to lay out and let the man who reps first place Clemson Clemson is sitting at seven and0 two games in front of literally everybody else in the ACC the ACC's wild right 
The ACC is wild this year because I'm going to bring up the standings. The it's team, not wild. There's there's stability at the top. The there's been one first place team the whole time. It, look, if you would have told me back in October that as of January, whatever today is, January 14th, that Clemson was sitting in first place in the ACC, two games in front of Syracuse, Wake Forest, Pitt, Miami, and Virginia, I would have slapped you upside your head and I would have told you to get off the meth. Tio, what is happening off the meth? What is happening right now? Why is Clemson so good? I think RC said it last night, right? Fanta, that, that a coach has told him the best team he's seen in the ACC has been Clemson. How did they figure this out? What is happening down there in South Carolina? And is this, uh, is this for real? I think it is. It, it, is, it is for real because they just mix guys up. And we talked about it last week, guys. Like Chase Hunter moving. And now he wasn't very good yesterday. He was only one of 10, but he adds another element of athleticism that they haven't had in the other few, the other last few seasons. And he's bigger. They defend better. And defensively, this team is going to be able to compete. Like their defensive metrics aren't great on Kim Palm and all that stuff. But at the same time, they guard from game to game. And how they guard is different from game to game. So it's going to be. Let me stop you right there. Do you know in ACC play who the best defensive team in the conference is? The what? In ACC play, in conference play, who's the best defensive team in the league? Probably Clemson. Clemson, the Clemson Tigers. So they do defend. They got. They do. But but some of their metrics from early in the season, like when they played South Carolina and laid an egg, when they played Loyola Chicago and laid an egg, like. If if they just take care of business on those, we're talking about Clemson being a top 15, top 10, top 15 team in the country, which to be honest with you guys, they're definitely a top 25 team in the country. And they guard, they're big. Uh, the health of PJ, at the beginning of the season, PJ was still coming back and he was on a minutes restriction. He was right at 20, 18 to 22 minutes a game. That was the sweet spot for the first 10 games of the season. Now they've upped his workload. He's been really good. He's up for ACC player of the week this week after going for 26 and four against the Duke team with a really big front you know, front line. So they just continue. It's somebody different every night, and they've decided to go really big with Hunter Tyson playing the three as opposed to the four, and he's been effective there. So it, it's been an interesting thing to see uh, Brevin Galloway last night, or excuse me, on Saturday. Like, this is a guy who transferred from Boston College, and they didn't get a whole lot out of it at Boston College. And he's found his rhythm at Clemson, but it seems to be somebody different on a night-to-night basis. Mm-hmm. Fanda, what do you make of the Tigers? Well, it's kind of remarkable, and it shows how the way that the ball bounces can end up leading you to to one way or another on the marathon of college mm-hmm. basketball. I mean, you think about where this team sat in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, double overtime thriller against Penn State, and they find a way to win. And, and that's something that this team's done. I mean, they, they did it against Pittsburgh. They didn't against Virginia Tech. The, the two, those two games were decided by a combined four points. Mm-hmm. So, tell you what, for a team that lost December 10th by 18 to Loyola Chicago, who is in a down year, frankly, the Ramblers yeah. are not what they've been, to then run off seven straight wins – They've got balanced scoring. They showed on Saturday night against Duke how they could dig in. I mean, you're down at the half to Duke, and and Duke played a very solid first 20 minutes in that game. Kyle Filipowski, once again, just just stepping up and and making things happen. But the way that Clemson fought back 
You know, I mean, I, I think at one point in that second half, they were down by six again. It's like you're at that point. You're at that point where the game could swing in a different direction. We know Duke, as much as Duke has had some injuries and and, and has been kind of up and down, like that's a position where, where Duke goes up six. Duke's very good defensively on their best day. And Clemson with a home crowd behind him, but Clemson still was able to to fight right back. And I think it just showed whether it was Galloway who stepped up with some timely shots and came up huge for his team. That that sort of sums up this group is that you don't necessarily know where it's going to come from. And I think that PJ Hall showed us all on Saturday night why we why he's thought of as an all-conference player on his best day and and on his the- best day on his best day this That's season right. yeah uh, this season like it's been hard to make that case because he's you know he's been on a minutes restriction it's hard for him to kind of get things going and then finally <clears throat> it's like the lid popped off one day but he works hard but the guy who really I'm gonna be honest guys again obviously you know you pay attention to your alma mater but like Hunter Tyson has changed the trajectory of this team like he's always been solid but there's been a there, there's a graphic of his year-to-year improvement and like every single season he's bigger in points he's bigger in rebounds and then this year he's talking a whole lot of cash shit it is something that's developed out of nowhere this wasn't the kind of dude he was but he realized hey this is my last year in college am i going to be able to go to the tournament and not only they're going to be able to go to the tournament if they keep playing like this like they're going to have a good seed like so, there's a lot to play for 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 a young man who has worked his butt off and continued to improve, and it's his last year, and he's become a vocal leader, which hasn't really been the case uh, since he got to Clemson. Now it's flipped on its head, so that it's it's fun to watch. It's interesting to watch. Hunter's yeah, a good so dude. It's going to be interesting to see where they end up getting seated because if you look at their resume right now, they are 15 and three, but their best win is a uh, a down Duke team, right? They beat Penn State in double overtime, which Penn State will probably end up being a tournament team. But beyond that, like, who are you? Who are you looking at here? And you're saying, okay, that is a great win. A NC smacking, State, a, a smacking of NC State. That yeah, was a NC State, That's a good win at Virginia yeah. Tech. Uh, yeah. That win probably looks better on paper than it is right now, just because Virginia Tech's been kind of banged up. But a twenty um, point slacking of Wake Forest, which I also think is a tournament team. Believe it or not. Yeah, but the the none of those teams look great in the metrics. And so yeah. that's going to be the interesting thing. But I will say this. If you look at the rest of their schedule, um, they play uh, yeah. 13 more games in in the ACC. Six of those games against are against teams that are outside the top 100 on Ken Palm. Right. There's only two games against teams that you would look at and you would say, okay, you know, I, I don't know if they can get that one. At North Carolina is going to be tough. At Virginia is going to be tough, and even won, we've State, won one game at North Carolina in history once, yes. and at yeah, was a couple State, years ago, it's not going to be easy. So, like, there's probably three losses there that you can kind of pencil in and say, I, I'm not going to be surprised if they take them. But beyond that, like, Clemson could really go 17 and three in the ACC this year. I would shit. I yeah, would shit. I, yeah, I think they're this year. You problem. would shit where? You would just shit, like, just shit your pants, just wherever I was at that that moment. <laughs> I'm going to stay very far away from you uh, on any. I could Saturday be standing straight up. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I think that's got to be hard. Have you ever tried shitting? While no, I haven't. I haven't. But we're 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 losing the point. Go for it. <laughs> I think that they're this year's Providence. I really do. I mean, I think that they're that they're that's the a good call. 
they're the program that, you know, people are going to look at. Probably, I'll tell you what, some casual fans are going to be like, Clemson, Clemson, really? Clemson? But it's like, these guys know how to win. And they've got a veteran core that defends and that makes closing plays. They did it against Duke. And that figures out ways to get it done. And it, it also is a reflection on college basketball and coaches and, and a broader discussion of like, it's not like Brad Brownell just learned something suddenly this year. Um, he has the right group of guys that that are connected. And in a year where they really need to win and he needs to get it done, uh, maybe that's when he's at his best because they have oh, – There's nobody better. Jeff had, Jeff had a tweet the other day, nobody's better on the hot seat than Brad Brownell. <laughs> like it, like so he is – like he, he coaches different. Like – Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I've been to a couple of coaches. I've been to a couple of practices. Like there's a different level of intensity. Like I remember my first year back, they had Gabe DeVoe and Dante Grantham. And like, there was a certain like intensity about it. And then the next year it was like, we're good, but we have some holes this year. Like I've been back to practice. It reminded me of the practices back my first year back. Like the, the coaching was hard. It was quick. It was to the point. If you didn't do it, get the hell out of the way. It, like I'm not going. I, I can't spend funny. that much time on you. So that, that's funny. That's like it's like the contract. I gotta be, care, I gotta be careful the NBA, there, right? but I gotta be careful. But no, no, for real. It's like a contract year, right? It is a contract Where, year. But I live yeah. two streets away from Brad too, so I gotta be careful. Oh yeah, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta be careful. Yeah, I think I think the last the last you're gonna I wake up. He's gonna be pounding on your door like T.O. Go take a shit, buddy. <laughs> T.O. Fuck, man. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> You have to throw me out of the bus. That's Brad. Fuck, Dio. Fuck. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Last thing I would say is I think that when you look at it, there's some teams in the ACC who have stepped up and are allowing this league to to be a potential. I mean, they're they're in a place to get six teams, six teams in the NCAA tournament. Which look the the ACC in the regular season has some more storylines and more layers than it did this time last year. Um, and and I think that the league's got some solid teams. So it, it's interesting to see how some programs have emerged. I will say this. I think Clemson takes their first ACC loss Tuesday night at Wake Forest. I can see it. That's a tough one. That's a tough place to play, it. too, and they'll be fired up. Yes, they will be. Um, Finn, I want to circle back on something that you said earlier. You said that you think Clemson is this year's Providence. Um, I actually – uh, was going to compare Providence to somebody else this year, and I was going to go with Rutgers. I feel like Rutgers is this year's Providence because if you go through and you look at some of the wins that they've had of late, right, uh, they won at Purdue by a point. Uh, they smacked around Maryland a little bit, but everybody smacks around Maryland. They won at Northwestern by three, which is actually, believe it or not, a good win this year. Uh, they beat Ohio State by four in overtime at home. Those are the three of their last four Big Ten wins. And it just feels like they are the team that knows exactly who they are this year, that has the point guard play to be able to handle those moments, that has the leadership both on the sideline and uh, on the floor to be able to understand what they're trying to do in clutch moments and has that like that level of belief, right? Like I, I don't necessarily know if, I, if there's like a clutch gene that people have, but I think that there are certain players and certain human beings that have the confidence and the belief and the ability to handle pressure and understand that they're going to go make a play in a big moment. Um, and there are certain teams, <clears throat> UConn, that may not be able to uh, to handle that kind of a pressure. And to me, Providence last year was a great example of that. And I think Rutgers this year is a great example of that. What do you think? 
I think you're right. And I think uh, it's ironic. It's a UConn guy, Steve Peichel, who's leading Rutgers and who's led them into historic heights. I mean, I, I don't think people understand, like, Rutgers has never been to three consecutive NCAA tournaments. It's never happened in the history of the program. They, they've never been known to string together season after season of winning. This program lost Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. They have a Loyola, Maryland transfer right now named Cam Spencer. Who is who has balled. Mm-hmm. balled. Big shot Cam. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. And fantastic. And, and – they're just so bought in from an identity perspective, and that's why the Providence comp is good because that's what Red Cooley's teams do. They, they buy into who they are, and I think Rutgers does too. It's not pretty. It's not flashy, but I'm going to tell you what. I, I, I was putting together a top 15 today. Guys, I honestly, right now, putting together a top 15, like just stop at like seven. I don't know. I mean, it, everyone's <laughs> losing. I put Rutgers in it. I put Rutgers in it. They've won seven of their last eight games, and they know how to win. They know how to win. And at a certain point, we've got to credit the teams who are doing that. Not the teams who are having big letdowns and losing games by double digits and don't even look like themselves. Like, no, I'm not just going to keep putting you in in rankings because I think you're really good on your best day. No, if you lose, you lose. And for Rutgers, they are figuring out ways to win continually. Paul Mulcahy is a terrific creator. He's a defender. He plays Mm -hmm. tough. Caleb McConnell is one of the best five defenders in America and one of maybe the best two or three, if he's not the best. Cliff Amore is he's the guy who allows for Rutgers to just provide the grit and the toughness on the interior that you need in the Big Ten. And Amore's taking a big leap. Mawat Mag comes up with a big time shot in the win over Ohio State. Rutgers has it. They've got a grit factor, a toughness factor that will allow them in the NCAA tournament to be in any game. They're not getting blown out because they defend. They're a real danger. Oh, RC made a great point last night on, on After Dark. Like, they are – they have a lot of Virginia in them too because they're going to do what they do. They're going to play at their pace, and they're going to make you play their way, and they're going to guard you. And you got to find a way to, to to play at their pace. One point I want to make to you, and then I'll let you go. Uh, when they lost to Temple on a neutral floor earlier this season, they did not have Paul Mulcahy, who has been arguably the best point guard um, in the Big Ten. They did not have Caleb McConnell. When they lost at Miami by seven, they did not have Paul McCahey. Uh, they lost at Ohio State by one, and then they I think the only, like, air quotes here, bad loss on the resume at this point is Seton Hall on a neutral, or uh, Seton Hall at home, and, like, that's a rivalry game. You can't, you can't say anything about a rivalry game. And what is so, that, a quadrant two loss? Yeah, it's not even a bad loss. Like, it just, they, they don't, they're only really, really. All right, so I'm going to say, I'm going to pocket that what you just said. That rivalry game, that rivalry game thing, I'm going to pocket that because for later in the show, I have a feeling we're going to be able to use it again. Anything could happen in a rivalry game. We're going to be able to use that again later. Uh, so, <laughs> Look, you know what, T.O., you're good. You, you can't use it in one Tennessee place today. and not use it another place. You don't have place. to rep Tennessee today. You're Clemson today, baby. Hey, look, I, I'm going to pocket that, and I'm just going to use it later. So, uh, not, Can you kind of say guards, guards be a rivalry man. game? Can we huh? call that a rivalry game too? What? Sure. Yeah, can we call that a rivalry game? Yeah, which one use that one also? I'm sorry. Go ahead, T.O. Which I'm one? All, I'm, I'm off the I'm off the walls today. He's off the radar. Off the radar. I can't find him. Can't find him. Uh, no, they guard. I, that's Steve Michael seems to have always guarded, but now they've got Mulcahy. He is kind of their decision maker. Whenever they're good, he's kind of orchestrating everything. And you need a big shot maker at the end. And Killer Cam, like he's at a couple, and they haven't necessarily been easy. 
like shot fake into it, one dribble, threes. Like he, he's he's a tough kid. He's a Peichel kind of kid. And Steve Peichel, as tough as they are defensively, they kind of they have kind of figured out how to at least manufacture shots. Now, are they making a ton of them? No, but they kind of know where they can get them. Um, they're not very good offensively. I mean, they're just not. So I, I think that's kind of the huge thing with the 117th in Kimpom, but like mm-hmm. it's the defense holds you up and it keeps you in games. And that is a constant with any time you play a Rutgers team. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yep. Well, for, for what it's worth, too, they, they got a five-star commit. Mm-hmm. After the win yesterday, Arius Bailey, who's who's in the 2024 class, a five-star forward, a number of big-time schools were in the mix. He committed in the locker room in Piscataway after the game yesterday. Wow. I mean, that's the highest rated recruit in Rutgers basketball history. And it just, no, Amori was Amori was a five-star kid, wasn't he? Uh, ba- Bailey is the highest ranked recruit. Yeah. By a you, by a significant margin. Yeah, this kid is top ten. Oh. Amori was like a Amori was a five star, was a really good prospect, but this top kid is top twenty like, or something. I mean, like, Rutgers just got a top ten recruit, guys. And, Rutgers. And, and, Bring Rutgers. them to the rack and that's they will NIL. come. That's not NIL. Like they, mm-hmm. they don't that's not in New Jersey, that's not NIL. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Like, it, just think about everything that's going on in college basketball this year. And we opened up today's Monday Overreactions podcast talking about Clemson and Rutgers. And it wasn't even forced. Like, this wasn't something where we had to sit here and say, oh. you know what? We got to find a way to talk about new teams. Like, they have legitimately played themselves into the national conversation. Rutgers is 14th on Ken Palm. Yeah. 14th. It's well, wild, they, man. it also is a reflection of the sport and the climate in college basketball. Um, the the playing field has leveled. Yeah, it certainly has. The extra year has helped too. Yes, the extra year, the, the the talent discrepancy because of that extra year from top to bottom isn't yeah. it isn't as huge a gap, mm-hmm. right. right? Because look at Pykele and look at Brad, like Brad Brownell. Uh, they hang on to guys and they develop them year after year. Yeah, it makes you feel really bad for blue bloods. I mean, just uh, horrible. I feel horrible for all those blue bloods. Or dude, like going on the years. road and losing at Clemson. Like those poor guys, poor North Carolina. You know, yeah, poor North Carolina. Carolina. They don't get enough five star recruits. <laughs> poor Kentucky. All right, let's talk about Kentucky. It's a perfect transition wow. into the blue bloods. Uh, I believe I can't remember exactly what we said, but when we Kentucky said about, is back. Yeah, when we Kentucky said Kentucky is back. It was on the last podcast we were like, Kentucky is going to go on the road and they're going to play at Tennessee and who knows, maybe they'll win. And then we all started laughing. 
when we said oh you two started laughing and kentucky could win at tennessee and we no, were like, was, that was there's no way kentucky's winning at tennessee and you know what they went into tennessee and they kind of kicked some volunteer ass just a little bit now they did. there's there is one point that i want to make because rivalry the lineup game? the well the rivalry game stuff matters and we'll kind of get into all that but severe wheeler did not play to you that's and, huge and without severe wheeler on the floor and with no damian collins Calipari was forced to go to a lineup that had um, a banged up case in Wallace at the point, Antonio Reeves, CJ Frederick, Jacob Toppin, and um, and Chief. Oscar Sheeway. Right, that lineup outscored Tennessee twenty nine to fourteen on Saturday. Heading into the game, that lineup had only played twenty possessions together. I'm getting all this data from Evan Miyakawa, um, EvanMaya.com. Great, great analytics site. And um, and in twenty possessions this season, there. The adjusted efficiency margin was 107.5, which is so large. Like, just to put that in comparison, that's literally like saying a dude averaged 100 points a game. Like, that number just doesn't happen. An efficiency margin better than most teams' adjusted offensive efficiency number is absolutely insane. So, yeah. I in asked Wall In case of Wallace couldn't move. Yeah, and he was banged. He looked like me with a thrown out back, dude. Like, he, you could see how much he was hurting. So, yeah. I asked you, T.O., was – is this is this the, the gift – that coach Cal needed. Did this shine a light on him that said, we need to play case and Wallace with two shooters and a four man that can at least kind of pretend to space it a little bit. Is he going to see the light? Are we going to see more of this lineup from John Calipari? I don't know. Did you watch a post-game presser? Uh, I did. I think it has more to do with Calipari taking away their computers and their cell phones. (laughs) Come on, man. Like you, you, you were forced to put the right guys on the floor. Mm Mm-hmm. You were forced to put the right guys on the floor, and that and guys, sometimes that's how that works. Like you, you stumble on some of these things by accident. And really, I, I like Severe Wheeler as a player. I, I I think there's certainly a role for him on that team. It's as an energy guy off the bench, where you need a quick change of pace for ten to twelve minutes. That's where his role should be. Casey Wall should be running that team, and then you need Antonio Reeves and CJ on the wings. Jacob Toppin, you know, I'm I'm halfway sold on him, but. Like, if he can moderately space the floor, like, that's your lineup. And then once Casey Wallace is healthy enough to put some rim pressure on there for you, that's your lineup. So Mm -hmm. it's a team that's good. It's a team that's tough. And I'll be honest with you, man. Oscar Sheboy impressed me a little bit because he was able to put up with Euros Plavsic, like, just hacking and fouling. And he might be the biggest seven-foot-two irritant I've ever seen. Like, he doesn't – he goes in there, he plays hard, but he's just – He's there's a walking, cheap shots like there's he's elbows. A, he's a walking flagrant foul. Mm-hmm. That's all he is, and I, I get it. Like that, that's your role, but it, it, he takes it too far, in my opinion. Sometimes, yes, but to to see the big thing for me, Phantom, was that Kentucky. So there was two things. One, they dealt with all of that, and they never lost their composure. Right, we're going to get into a team that lost their composure, couldn't handle a little bit of shit talking, and a little bit here, but they didn't. They never lost that composure. They also dug themselves an eight point hole. And it was the kind of thing where like, we were texting it, man. We were texting like, they're going to lose by 40. They're going to get run out of this gym. And they fought back. Like they didn't roll over and die. That to me, that was the impressive part about this team. Like I, I was concerned, John, that, that Cal had lost this locker room. I'm not concerned that he's lost that locker. There's fight there. They still want it. Rivalry game. (laughs) Rivalry game. Rivalry game. Like they play Georgia next at home. Last time they played at home, they lost South Carolina. Here's the thing. Oscar Sheboy took it upon himself early in the game to say, 
you know what? I'm tired of this. I am sick and tired of this. If you were watching the game, you saw him hit a couple of shots and they would show his face or his emotion off of it. And you got to give Sheepway a lot of credit because he's the guy who during this losing spell, he even said it at one point in a post-game press conference that he's just trying to get his guys to understand the magnitude and everything that they're going through. And then he's the leader and then he can be that guy. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that from Oscar Sheepway. I thought, I thought he took ownership on Saturday. Here's the deal. They found a lineup that defensively can impact the game. They got stops. Now, I'm going to get to that, to Tennessee in a moment. And Antonio Reeves gave them 18 points. I mean, they they found a way to get scoring from Antonio Reeves and C.J. Frederick. The problem is that hasn't happened, not just on an every-game basis, but like on an every two- or three-game basis. It just hasn't – it hasn't occurred. So – As much as I thought that they found something defensively, and the biggest takeaway is that the fight came out of this group. On at least one day, we saw why we've been so hard on them. The reason why we've been so hard on them is because you think in your head, well, they should be able to be competitive with Tennessee. They weren't just competitive. They really dictated much of the game, shorthanded. So that's why we've been as harsh as we've been on you, Kentucky, because we think highly of you, but you have totally underperformed. I don't think that this group unveiled anything offensively on Saturday. I think they also caught Tennessee on the right day. Yes. I mean, the fact, the fact is, Zakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi combined to shoot seven for 25. How many and, layups did Zakai miss? Oh, like 17, man. Josiah man. Jordan James went two for eight from the floor and one for six from three. Josiah, you went one for six from three. Stop shooting after you take three threes. That's enough. Tennessee, I don't trust. I haven't trusted. I can't trust. I I don't trust their upside. I don't think that they – I think that they, once again, will be a first weekend disappointment in the NCAA tournament. I'm I'm upset because, like, how many times do do you put the ball in Vescovy's hands at the end and, like, he can't create anything? Yep. And they just keep freaking doing it. They keep doing it, and they keep doing it, and they keep doing it. Eventually, it's got to be like, hey, guys, like – Let's try something else in big spots. In, in big spots, and and guys, I, I know he's my guy. I know he's my guy. Julian Phillips took two freaking shots. He's the guy that can get somewhere. Wasn't he in foul trouble? He was in foul trouble a little bit, right? I don't care. Two shots. Yes. Two shots in eighteen minutes. Two yeah, shots. I was, I was going to ask you about him. Like, what what is going on? Is that just yeah, he's not a kid who's going to take it upon himself and just go out outside the offense? You got to call something for him. Mm-hmm. He's your guy. He's the guy that can get to the foul line. He's your guy that can make something happen. He's the guy with the explosiveness to get somewhere. If you bring in a five-star kid, a top 20 kid, and you got him out there with a bunch of really good college players, your five-star kid's the one at the end of January that's supposed to be making something happen for you. Like, this is the time where you start calling plays for him. And they just don't. They just don't. It's alarming to me that we're still going to Vescovy. Like, it's like, because not, not because he's a bad player, but because he can't get anywhere. Like, if you take away his shot, he can't get anywhere. His role, if you use him as a spacer and a guy running off of screens to kind of catch and shoot, and as a like a weak side creator, right? You have someone else running the point that you draw and you kick and you let him attack a closeout. He's very, very good in that role. He's probably an all SEC kind of a guy in that role as your complementary piece. 
I don't think you want him to be your go-to guy. No, he's not built think, for I don't that. Think you, I don't think you want him to do that because he's he's just limited. Um, I do want to circle back on one thing, though, because I, I want to finish up one one point on Kentucky. I think we, we've had a lot of questions about Cal's coaching ability, right? We've criticized him here. We've criticized him on After Dark. We are not the only person, the only people that have criticized him. The answer is there now, right? We've seen something that has worked. There's proof of concept. It worked against Tennessee. It's worked throughout the entire season. And maybe now that there's some of it on tape, someone can find an answer and can find a way to adjust. But if we don't see significant minutes with the lineup that worked against Tennessee in this game against Georgia, in this game against Texas A&M, and then the game's coming up this, these next two weeks, then I think it's time to kind of say, like, Cal, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, what what are you what are you not seeing here? Like, this, this works, right? You get those two shooters on the floor. You get your five-star stud NBA lottery pick point guard. You got your athlete at the four, and you got your national player here at the five. Like, that lineup worked. Now let's see if he actually goes to it, because I'm not 100% convinced he's going to. He was forced to. He couldn't. The only reason he went to this lineup is because he had dudes out. That's not a like, – that's, that's worrying to me, guys. That's worrying to me. Yeah. Well, sometimes – He was feeling himself after that game, though, in the press conference. He was feeling himself. Go ahead, Fanta. He had he had one moment in there, Fanta, where uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but he had one more moment in there. He's like, "Yeah, we gave their guys the phone back in the morning. They were like, and we have to. What I have to do is I have to clip that out so there's no audio, and it's just Cal doing this, and then post that over something. So that's what I'm going to do. That's going to be the rest of my Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Taking away phones, like really? I mean, I'm, I'm I get it. I get I I get why he did it. I and. I don't know. It just it feels like something that was being done in 2015. Like I, I just, I honestly don't hate it. I honestly, I don't like, hate it either. Go, you put those kids to bed. Get your, yeah. get, get your kids some sleep. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at the concept of that. But that's not no, right. But here's anymore. here's the other part. The, the bigger thing. Taking away cell phones. What if mom's having a heart attack? Then you're the, put the give the phone. Then you to call the, coach, the, coach. Like the parents know like you have the phones. Like there's there's ways that you can get in touch with them. The reason why I say that Fanta is because I think. There is so much toxicity with these fan bases and they have so much access to the players. Oh, like it's so hard. It's hard for me not to sit there and scroll through the comments and look at the ads and look at the mentions and look at what people say on YouTube, right? You're talking about 19 year old kids and they got to handle this criticism and go perform when you have the most, the single most toxic environment you've ever had around the university of Kentucky basketball program in the social media era. So like, I understand why he would do that. Just don't worry about what everyone else is saying. Focus on you. Get your sleep. Get up. Get to talk to your teammates. Like, don't worry about the outside noise. And this is a way to make sure that they don't. Like, so I, hey, I will say I this. Understand. I will say this, Rob. Rob, the, the the Kentucky players handle the criticism better than you do because I see you going back at like made up mm-hmm. fake accounts all the time. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love going at them. I love going at them. But it's like it, it, you have to. That that stuff doesn't bother me, right? Because most of it is just like, I can't believe you had this horrible take. And it's like, who the fuck cares? It's like me getting on a, a camera and making a joke. This is their livelihood. This is their chance to change their family. They're 19. I'm 37 years old. I, there's way worse things that have been said to me than what people are saying on Twitter, right? That's right. So, like, I, I, I'm I, fine. I can handle it. 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, like, it's, it's a little bit different for them. And you also have the tidal wave of all of these people from BBN just coming at you at once. It's just, it can be a lot. It can be a lot. And, um... You know, I'm kind of, I'll tell you this, and then you can finish your point, Finn. I, I'm sorry, I cut you off again. I'm happy for those kids because a lot of those kids came into this situation and um, 
and weren't necessarily expecting to become like to the villains, but to become the middlemen between a fan base that wants the coach out. So I'm happy that they were able to have a moment where at least they could smile. Like CJ Frederick's on our podcast network and he was smiling after that game. That's literally the first time I've seen him smile on a game in probably a month and a half. So I'm happy that they had, they had their moment, even if it came at the expense of uh, Terrence Oglesby's feelings. <laughs> My feelings are fine. Me and Fanta were stuck calling a William and Mary and Wilmington game that had 69 free throw attempts. <laughs> nice. It was awesome. That happened. That really happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, Let's see how how the next couple of weeks go down for this team. It was good to see them get a win on Saturday over Tennessee because if they didn't win that game, then you're sitting here saying, "Well, let's see. This week they've got Georgia and Texas A&M, and they've got Vandy on the road. And and Vandy, by the way, wow. I mean, they they beat Arkansas. Arkansas is now in a tough way, losers of four of their last five games, and they they've taken a spell." And then you've got Kansas in Lexington at the end of the month. And it's, and so look, they've got some traps here. They've got some tough games. I mean, I, I don't think I, I, I'm still not convinced that this team can put it all together every single game. And, and I'm with you. The SEC. I think that they'll find a way. I think their name will get called on selection Sunday because I think they'll do enough, but I'm still not convinced that, that they're a team that, we're going to see like North Carolina, like last year when they go on that massive March Madness run. I don't think that that, that that's this Kentucky team. I yeah, think that I, that first round game is going to be huge for Cal and Kentucky and everybody involved. It's going to be yep. that. I agree with everything that you just said right there, but it's nice to see them trending in the right direction. We'll see what happens moving on. All right. Uh, before we get, well, we'll talk about Alabama at the end. Before we do that, I want to talk about the the top of the Big East. Fancy, you were at the Marquette and Xavier game yesterday, which, like, by the way, instant classic. Unbelievable game. game. In a moment where I had to watch UConn take a season of finding loss and Tottenham take a season of finding loss to their arch rival, like their arch nemesis. This is the, the Arsenal Tottenham rivalry is probably more intense than like the Red Sox Yankees rivalry. I had to sit there and watch that while UConn was losing. I was in a bad place at 2 PM yesterday afternoon. I'm in a good place now. I'm happy. But the, the only thing that kind of brought me out of it was watching. You grew up in that soccer game. rivalry, didn't you? You grew up in that. Rivalry. Hey, look, I'm, I'm, there, I'm, it in, was it. Every I'm in it now. I'm in rivalry. it now. I've adopted a team. I'm, I'm in it now. Like it just, uh, we, that's a, that's a different podcast we're debating. But Fanny, you were you were in the building, Marquette Xavier. For my money, look, all due respect, Providence fans are probably going to get mad at me for saying this, but like, I there's no way that I can watch that game and say that those aren't the two best teams in the Big East right now, just flat out. Like they have so many weapons, they're so bought into what they do, they're so dangerous offensively, and yeah, maybe they can't really get stops and they're not going to guard anybody, but like, if you put up 85, you don't really have to be that good defensively to win. That's To's mindset. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If you are watching Xavier, your takeaway is this right now. It is the closest thing, closest thing that college basketball touches in regards to NBA shot making. Guys, Xavier shot making is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it is re ridiculously good like they come down and within eight seconds have a quality shot and it goes in i i mean i i think 
first off, I think that they're right now there's an argument that Xavier's the most entertaining team in college basketball from a watch yeah. perspective. I agree with you that. Know, you know what's funny? The the one team that I would have above them right now, Marquette. Well, that's just it. Yeah. Here's the funny thing. I don't know how much you guys were watching last Wednesday mm-hmm. because there were a million games on, but Bill Raftery said this to me at halftime of yesterday's game. I'm like, man, that was a fun half. He's like, yeah, he goes, believe it or not, Xavier Creighton was better in terms mm-hmm. of that halftime. And he's right. I mean, of course he's right. He's ref. But but Xavier Creighton was an unbelievable game. That's my point on Xavier. Like, If you're looking to watch entertaining basketball right now, Xavier is – they go against all those, you know, all those college hoops haters, people who are like, oh, the sport possessions are so tough to watch, and there's so many misses, and I can't watch this. I'm an NBA fan. Yes, okay, great. Enjoy your January and February of meaningless basketball. Uh, for, for Xavier, they just fill it up. Sule Boom has been a ridiculously good transfer addition. He's been one of the three to five best transfer ads by a team. Colby Jones has gotten better. Jack Nunji got to 50-50 balls yesterday and made things happen. And Jerome Hunter has really developed as a player. So for me, guys, like, I'm with you. Xavier's the best team in the Big East, as we're talking right now. And Marquette is number two. You know why? Marquette's got one of the best point guards in America. Over his last five games, over his last five games, Tyler Kolick. Tyler Kolick has 54 assists to 11 turnovers. That's insane. 54 assists to 11 turnovers. Omax one, one thing I want to add one thing, the point of context for you. In the history of the Big East, right, Tyler Kolick is the only player to have a game with 15 assists and zero turnovers. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen. He did that on – who did they play? Was it Wednesday? It was against Georgetown. Yeah, it was against – who cares? 15 assists, zero turnovers. You could be playing nobody. You got to figure at some point, like, a ball is going to go through somebody's hands. You're going to throw a pass. It's going to hit somebody in the foot. It's going to hit him in the face. The passer gets the turnover there. He's been 15 great. 15 assists, zero turnovers. He's ridiculous. He's great. Marquette's gotten better as the season's gone on. Cam Jones is, is such a good shot maker. I mean, Cam Jones is is legit, and T.O. called that one. He he had it. Boy, T.O. He's been fantastic. Oh, man. I'll tell you, I mean. Tennessee Cam. It's it's just the offense that's being played is special. And we've talked about how Sean Miller reinvented some things that he does. Talking with Sean yesterday, he said, we've got a lot to be proud of, and we got a lot to be happy with. And you know, I saw Sean in the hallway he was about to head out of the building yesterday at the Cintas Center, which, by the way, such a great building. Cintas Center is such a fun building when they've got it rolling. It's back. That atmosphere is back. How many can you fit in there? Um, 11,000? They, they fit about 11,000. Exactly. And it, it just gets loud. Their student section was so good yesterday. Do they still have the judges? The judges. The Xavier, it wasn't the Xavier judges. Who's, the, who, who's that group of guys, a group of fans that sit on the baseline? Let me see. They had them there when last time I was there. 
do they defend well enough to be legitimate national title contenders? I don't know about legitimate national title contenders in that regard. I got a, I got a, I got a number for you on it real quick, and then you can go, uh, Fanda. Uh, the I, lowest heading into the tournament, the lowest that any team was ranked on Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency metric since 2002 in the Ken Palm database was North Carolina in 2009. They were ranked 39th in 2015. Duke entered the tournament ranked 37th on Ken Palm. Those are the two worst defensive teams that have won a national title. The worst offensive team that has won a national title was UConn in 2014. They were ranked 52nd in Ken Palm heading into the tournament. Uh, for the most part, like you got to be kind of top 20 to 25 in both and top 10 in one to really be like a national title threat. Like that's what the majority of the teams are like. Second in offense, 22nd in defense, something like that. Those are the teams that win titles. Sorry, go ahead, Fanta. Yeah, so Xavier's 91st right now. Their best defense is their offense, T.O. And because they can – Hey, there's something to be said there. Go ahead, Fanta. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Especially today. Yeah. College basketball. I mean, they really – guys, I, I'm i blown away. Like, I, watching that game live yesterday, you, you end up just – your eyebrows are raised at some of the shot making and some of the back and forth. And it was just punch for punch, shot for shot. Forgot to say Adam Kunkel's name. Kunkel's another guy who, who Xavier really needs, and he comes up big for them in different spots. And, man, Sean has developed Jerome Hunter to the point that, just being honest, real talk, if he has to sit Zach Fremantle for five minutes, he could do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and uh, having yeah. that bench be effective is so big for him. Yeah, yesterday he had to do it. And so, tell you what, they've got DePaul Wednesday, then Georgetown at home. Here's how we segue the show. So, I think that they will take a 13 game winning streak. They will have won 13 in a row, and they'll take that into Gamble Pavilion a week from Wednesday. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that game at all it actually it kind of UConn soon has kind of made my life a lot easier because I was trying to figure out like how am I going to get up to do a live we're doing this live show tomorrow from Manhattan for Kansas Kansas State I was like how am I going to get up there for UConn Xavier this might be for first place in the Big East I don't even have to worry about it now because UConn stinks <laughs> oh come on they no, so, they've yeah, lost yeah. for other past five but there was the a, last I, I want to go last back to your two point. weeks they've stunk like I want to go back just... to your point, Fanta, about you, you say sometimes your best defense is your offense, and there, there's some validity to that because if you're making shots, your defense is set. Mm -hmm. And Xavier's making shots wow. at an incredible rate. You shoot 40% as a team on the year. Like, that's something to brag about. And when Kunkel, who's arguably your space and spot guy and defender, is your worst shooter in your starting lineup, He's shooting, what, 38, 38, 9, 30, 40, something like that? Yeah. So, like, he, like, that's a, <laughs> that's tough. Sule Boom has been tremendous, though. Oh, his my God. speed with the basketball, his ability to knock down shots. Like, keep in mind, too, like, some of your metrics defensively are going to be skewed towards a, in a negative light because if you're playing fast on offense, you're playing more possessions. More possessions equal more points. Uh, things like that over the course of a game. So sometimes they'll be a little bit skewed, but they, they're fun to watch. Shit, are they mm -hmm. fun to watch? And man, is uh, Shaka coaching his butt off up at Marquette too. Yeah, I, I think it's important to note that both of these guys 
kind of historically have been known as defensive coaches. I think that's fair, right? Like Shaka was always like the havoc guy. We're going to force turnovers. We're going to win defensively and then figure it out offensively. Yeah. Um, I think that Sean, when he was at Arizona, like that was a knock on him, right? He's a great defensive coach. What's he going to bring offensively? Both of these guys have really opened it up. Sean, uh, if you listen to him tell it, I don't know, maybe maybe this is real, maybe it's not, maybe he just knows the pieces that he has here. But he said while he was working with us, he was able to just study other offenses more than he ever did when he had a team, and it kind of changed his view on what basketball could be. Shaka, yeah. I think, kind of saw the light, went out, hired Nevada, uh, Nevada Smith. Is it Nevada Smith? That's right. The guy, yeah, the guy out of the G League to kind of revamp what they do offensively, kind of let, the, let him plan that. And both of them are – Terrific at one, coming up with scouting reports and getting guys to buy into it. And then two, uh, developing a culture where people are going to play for each other. And so I think uh, it goes to show you don't have to have control over every single possession. You don't have to fight for every single inch. Uh, Sometimes you can just go out there and you can play basketball this way and you can win a lot at the college level. Not every college coach buys that. Last point I'll make. I I don't know how they'll end up doing. I think that Xavier will – find a way to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. But here's what I know, whether it's in the big East tournament in a round three with Marquette or in a game with Creighton at the garden or whatnot. Like I know one thing Xavier in March is going to play some sort of insane game that mm-hmm. just you come away saying, Oh my gosh, that was so much fun to watch. Xavier will be a part of one of those types of games. Uh, AKA, you know, a la two Holloway against Kansas State in that double overtime NCAA tournament game that Gus Johnson went berserk on. Like, we're going to see Xavier play in one of those games. They they are that entertaining. They're that high wire offensively. And man, you're right, T.O. The, the, I'll tell you this much they're not a great defensive team. However, Sean Miller's a good enough coach that when he needs to get his guys together, and they need to get a stop for for at least on this 11-game winning streak, this team has found a way to get the stops they needed to. Yep. Um, the other thing I think is really important, especially when it comes to Xavier, is they have two of the best guards in the Big East of being able to create something for themselves in uh, your boy Sule Boom and Colby Jones, who, according to T.O., can't do anything. My boy Colby uh, Jones. Yeah, your boy Colby Jones. Uh UConn has none of those guys. They don't have anyone right now that you can kind of, when things are going bad, you can give the ball to and say, go get us something, right? They, There's a lot of things that are going wrong with UConn right now. To me, the two things that stand out the most, one, Tristan Newton like is not the guy that we thought he was going to be coming in. If you compare what Tristan Newton is doing versus what Sule Boom is doing, you're seeing the difference. In, like that, To me, that's the difference in those two teams. Xavier went out and got the point guard they needed. UConn went out and got a point guard that, took one shot yesterday and got eaten up by Posh Alexander. Um the There's other a lot of people the other, eaten up by Posh Alexander. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people do, but when you like you have to be able to like you got to be able to to win that matchup somehow, right? The other part of it is that and this kind of goes to um to lacking a point guard, but they lack a level of composure and they lack a level of like once things start going bad, they they can't stop the spiral right they can't stop the 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 snowball from going downhill we saw on the road at providence in a game that was hard fought then providence started doing some things right and uconn just did not have anybody that could go stop the bleeding i don't know if that's necessarily on court leadership i don't know if that's just kind of how they're wired but once it started going bad it went off the rails same thing happened at xavier right 
Once it started going bad, it kind of went off the rails. Um, happened against St. John's last night at home when it's not supposed to happen at home. So I guess for either of you guys, like, I, am I one? Am I seeing things wrong there? But two, like, I don't even know if you can fix that. Like to me, it's not a talent thing, oh, right? Like we we know how talented this team is, how good they are defensively, but. I don't know. I'm I'm very, very worried about what this team is going to be moving forward because I don't think that you can't just magically make a point guard appear. They don't have that guy. He's not on the roster. Well, here's the thing. They don't have a great point guard. But part of it was, and we brought this up earlier in the season, I want to bring it up again. Their other pieces have been so good in their roles that it didn't matter. You didn't need an elite point guard when you had so many different guys doing great things from the wings. Your point guard just had to realize to get them the ball, get them the ball and let them work. And they were also defending at a higher level than they did yesterday. I mean, St. John's had several guys in double figures and was getting scoring from different sources. Raphael Pinzone and Dylan Day Wusu stepping up, A.J. Store stepped up for for them. I mean, and Joel Soriano has been the nation's leader in double-doubles. Man, he's been great this year. Oh, mm-hmm. In gotta, spite of all they got going on, he's been great. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, that's a huge win for them. But it's but to me, it's the attitude thing. I, that's what I'm more concerned about. I, I, I think, I think that Connecticut is still on their best day better suited to win an NCAA tournament game. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have to adjust our expectation level, okay? We had them as a national title contender. They are not that. They are not that. But if we had you as a national title contender at one point, you can't just say that now the season is decimated and destroyed. It blows up. That's not how it works. Mm -mm. So... No, that's not how that's not how a well-coached program works. You said it, not me. Well, I think he can adjust, and I think he will adjust. And you know, I think I think that that Dan will figure things out with this team. I really do. Yeah, I, look, I I, I kind of do too, right? And I, I'm full disclosure, like. of this is me just being a a fan that's kind of like losing their mind in the moment. Right. Um, But I think this is prove it time for him. This is, this is the point where you kind of say, look, this is why I'm the coach at UConn. We're going through this spiral. We have these very obvious issues. This is what we're going to adjust. This is how we figure out what we're doing. Right. And I think that moving forward here, we're going to find out a lot about one, what Dan Hurley is and two, what UConn is. Right. You got, could you imagine those freaking practices as a player? Yes where you just walk in and you know it is going to be hell on wheels for the next two to three hours. Mm-hmm. But you know it, what? That's part of the problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. So what? To, so what, to so a point what, it is. And, like, I, I also That's kind of anywhere, agree. Fanta. Any, any, anywhere yeah. you play. That's not just for Dan Hurley. Anywhere you play, you lose four out of five. That locker room is like a – you could hear crickets chirping in that thing. And then you go from the locker room where guys are somewhat pissed off every day because they got to still got to go to class. They still got to see other humans. It's not like you just show up to that and that's it. You got to see regular people. You got to see the civilians. They're looking at you funny. Like you've done something wrong. And then you've got to go get your train. And then you got to, and then you got to walk in. It's like, 
like I remember we we went on a skit at Clemson and everybody we walk into the film room and we're just like Oliver Purnell is just on one and you can just feel it and it's just you could cut the air with a knife and it's just like oh my god and then you're thinking and then I'm thinking about Dan Hurley <sighs> like you know those players are going through it right now yeah and and the issue is that it's it's very easy to say you lost to Xavier you lost to Providence you lost to Marquette like those are the three best teams in the conference you lost to them on the road a lot of teams are going to lose to those three teams on the road in those buildings. And then to come home against St. John's mm-hmm. and one like here, here's another problem I have is is what's what is UConn's identity this year, right? Are they Big. going to be a great defensive team? Well, Andre Corbello and Posh got literally anywhere they wanted. Raphael Pinzone did whatever he wanted to do, right? Their guards made UConn's guards look like I was playing defense out there. Right. That might be a little bit of exaggeration. I don't care. They couldn't <laughs> stop any penetration. Two. You want to be a team that runs through Adamas Anogo? Well, you know what? If Adamas Anogo is getting eaten up by Joel Soriano, that can't happen. If he's supposed to be the biggest player of the year and you run your offense through him, he has to win every single matchup that he has. He got beat by Joel Soriano last night. Okay. All right. Are you going to be a great rebounding team, which is what they've been in the past? Well, you know what? You can't get beat up on the offensive glass the way that they do. If you're going to win on toughness, if you're going to win on effort, you can't let other teams continually get more 50-50 balls in you. Like, so what? what is your, are you a three-point shooting team? Space it out, chuck a bunch of threes. I don't think you have good enough shooters to be that. So like, what? what is the identity of this group at this point? That's one of the things that I think they've lost in this losing streak. And that's Can I throw a little silver lining in after you're done? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so the, the Wait, silver look, lining. I, I want the, all the silver linings. Give, the silver more lining. Than one silver lining. <laughs> the silver lining for this is, St. John's is to the Big East right now what Syracuse is to the ACC. Like, you have to completely change everything you do for one game. Mm-hmm. So that's the silver lining. So really, if you look at UConn's other games, like Xavier loss away, okay, that's you're willing to take that. Providence loss away, the AMP is a ridiculous place to play. Uh, Marquette loss away, okay. Like the the, the St. John's was such a curveball. Like I'm not convinced this team's fallen off the the tracks. I am convinced that the practices are miserable. And I am convinced that Seton Hall at the Rock is going to be uh, gut check time. They need to win that game. This next one, they need to win. Yes. But but to go along with what you're saying, like four out of five, I get it. Those three away games, brutal. The Big East did not do them any favors. But uh, the St. John's loss is such a curveball. That it's like, you know, it, it's like Virginia Tech. Like you, you go and you're starting to get some rhythm without one of your guys. You're losing close games, and then all of a sudden you have to change everything you do because of a, a certain style of play that Syracuse presents. And that's why Syracuse ends up being in the middle of the conference every year, despite talent level, because of that. So it's in you know St. John's hasn't quite reached that level of where they're making the tournament, but. It's uh, not an easy adjustment, but Seton Hall, that's that's one they need to win. They need to win that game. All right. A uh, couple quick questions before we get out of here. I know Fanta's got to go. I want to make sure he gets to East Lansing on time. All right. So we each get one minute. You got to pick one of these teams. You're uh, you're buying them. You're holding them. You're selling them. Arizona, UConn, and Arkansas. Fanta, we'll go to you first on this one. I'm going to hold on Arizona. Because I've still seen Tommy Lloyd win too many games, and I think that right now Kirk Kreese and Courtney Ramey got to have a kumbaya session and figure things out. Isn't it interesting that we're talking about these three teams? Guard play, guard play. Mm-hmm. It, I'm selling Arkansas 
because the injuries and as much as I think Eric Musselman's team, I, knowing Muss, his team will will get on a bit of a surge. I just if if Arkansas makes the second weekend in the NCAA tournament this year, bless you, Tio. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. I just with the Trayvon Brazil injury killed really really killed this team. Yeah. And not having Nick Smith is a is is tough, and they just don't they're not defending at the same level that they were. And I think teams have figured out what Arkansas is doing offensively, so I'm selling them. And I'm going to hold on UConn. No, you got to buy. You got to buy one. You got to buy. You got to buy. I'm forcing you to buy one. You got to buy one. Hold one. Sell one. Then I'm buying Arizona still because I think they're going to figure it out. And I think I think they're in a league that will allow them to figure it out. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I throw something in there with this whole Nick Smith thing? Oh boy! Like, is he is he is he hurt? Is he hurt? Yeah, there there is. He has had an issue. There's been a lingering knee issue. The question is, are you hurt versus are you injured? And that's a conversation that I'll save for after the recording is going. What are you suggesting? He's he's represented by uh, Clutch, and a lot of people Dude, are. Dude, all right. So okay, so. Yeah. That tells me a lot of what I need to, to to hear. A lot of people think he's been shut down because they want to protect protect. The get that stuff. guys, then then get out of the locker room. He's been if, training in L.A. Stay out there. Stay out there. Like how's he training in L.A. and finishes his court? I guess as long as you pass the first semester, it doesn't matter. Yeah, That's right. uh, uh, so that that kind of eliminates that. But like, stay out of the locker room. Like that, that's kind of an interesting thing. I'm selling at Arkansas, Trayvon Brazil. I, I thought that he was uh, a massive piece because he was so switchable and provided some, some different looks that you could do defensively that I thought was really cool and advantageous for the Razorbacks. It's just, um, they just can't click right now. I think that has a lot to do with it. And there's a lot of personalities, a lot of minds in there. If I'm buying a team, I'm going to buy. Keep me on UConn. I'm going to buy UConn. I, I think like the last – yesterday's game or St. John's game – what was that, yesterday or the day before? Goodness. Sunday, this, yesterday. This this weekend was a lot. Uh, give me uh, – I was too busy just making 10 threes in a church league game. It's not a big deal. And getting but, your nails painted by your daughter. Yeah, nails painted by my daughter at 10 a.m., church league game, 10 threes, 2 p.m. Did day. you have the nail polish on while you shot? No, I took it off because I'm, I'm not comfortable enough in my own masculinity to make sure. That <laughs> <laughs> so I did take it off. But no, uh, Arizona, I'm going to hold on. I just feel like UCLA in that league, they are really stinking good. I like UCLA a lot. I like UCLA a lot. But but I'm buy, I'm I'm going to go ahead and buy UConn because you're always supposed to buy low, right? Mm-hmm. They've lost four out of their last five. I'm buying low. I'm going to be able to sell high whenever they make the Big East uh, championship game. Yep. Um, all right. I would. Uh, I would sell Arizona. Uh, I. Th- I just. I don't trust that their guards are going to be able to. You're just do- being contrarian right now. No, I just. I, I. I'm selling on them because I think people still have them as like a national title contender, and I just. They've been. I think they've been found out a little bit offensively. They've shot. They led the nation heading into the Arizona State game in two point field goal percentage. They've been under forty percent two-point field goal percentage uh, for the last five games. Um, and I just – if they're not elite offensively, I don't think they're good enough defensively to be able to do it, and I think people have kind of figured them out. Uh, I'm going to hold on Arkansas because if you look at the last two years, there's always a swoon for the Razorbacks in January. They lost four out of five 
two years ago, made the Elite Eight. They lost five out of six last year, made the Elite Eight. There's always a swoon, and then must figure something out. There's still three pros on that roster. I'm just going to hold and say, yeah, you know what? We'll see. Must must does this. People jump off the bandwagon. I'm going to hold. I'm not going to sell them yet. And I'm buying UConn. There's no reason why. I'm just not. I can't sell my team. <laughs> you buy low. I'm you not, always I can't buy sell low. my team. You can't always buy team. low. I'm just going to go watch. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go watch the replay of the Alabama game. And I'm going to watch those highlights and say that they're still that good. All right. Last hey, one. Anybody, I got anybody, any entrepreneur will ever tell you it's not where you sell. It's where you bought to begin with. Yep. So like, uh, hey, hey, by the way, sorry to throw a huge curveball, but I get emails from Georgia's SID, Mike Bowley. I didn't realize Georgia's three and one in league. Uh-huh. And like Mike White, the this is a team that won season. six games. He was my toast on Saturday night. Thanks for not oh watching the show. Oh, my God. Dude, they, they're, they won <laughs> six games last year. He's done yeah. a great job. He's done a great job. Build the man a statue. I said this when I oh, saw him. Oh, boy. Build the man a statue. In Georgia, outside the basketball complex. Or you know what, for that matter, get them their own weight room, Georgia. You've got a guy who can run things. Yes, they don't have their own weight room. they got to share with gymnastics. Get them a weight room. What are we doing? Georgia, get it together. Mike White, he got he, people at Florida got mad at him. He made the tournament, what, every year he was freaking there? Now he's going to go to Georgia. He's going to win 23, 24 games a year, and then they're going to build him a statue. Big difference in expectations. He's a hell of a coach. The SEC's got great coaches. It's got great coaches. And while we have a moment on this pod before things finish up, I want to unveil something to you guys. Oh, oh boy. boy. Keep keep it yeah, keep it tucked away there, Phantom. So, right, sorry, oh go ahead. Are you pulling out your Torvik? Yeah, I'm pulling out my Torvik. I I <laughs> I put together the weekly the weekly top 15 power rankings for Fox. So last night I pull everything out and Ooh. I'm like, yeah, right. Exactly. I took all my clothes off. Um, so I'm, <laughs> no, I'm looking at. I'm just kidding. I'm at did you the, shit after you did? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm looking at the. I'm looking at everything that happened over the weekend. Okay. Okay. And I'm just like, you know, last Monday I had Houston at number one, and then I'm looking at Houston's game against South Florida, and I'm like, like, okay, they won the game, but. Uh, it, and I'm like, are they really the best team in the country? Well, I think that they could be. They could be on a given day. And I'm looking at Kansas, and I'm like, yeah, you know, they could be there. Now, they have had a couple of very, very close games now in Fieldhouse. One would argue if the game was at that team's venue, would it go differently? Okay, but they've won. They've won. Not going to fault teams mm -hmm. for winning. Not going to fault teams for winning. But but how you win's important. And so then I pulled up Alabama. They have won their five SEC games by a combined. 114 points <laughs> at the moment in my power rankings. I don't care who yells at me. I don't care who gets mad at me. Alabama's number one. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. You're Gotta with me. I'm with you. And with I you. turned to T.O. on Saturday. I said, T.O., Alabama could win it all. And you said to me, could win it all. I said, I really think they could win it all. There's, that'd be self. That'd be selfish of the. To me, there's th there's three reasons why. It gives I, me Carmelo I think Syracuse vibes. It gives me Carmelo Syracuse vibes. Go on. I think that they're better than that because the that that Carmelo team was a three seed. This team, I think, is going to 100 be a one seed for three reasons. One, they are a top ten defense. You don't score in a paint against them. Charles Bediaco erases everything. Man, he has developed, hasn't he? God, he's um, been yeah. good. Noah Clowney's the real deal. Brandon Miller will guard. Um, two, Mark Sears and Jaden Bradley. 
are, are one of the best backs backcourts in college basketball. You have two basically point guards, right? Sears is kind of playing off the ball a little bit more as a secondary option. That's what you need to win a title. And three, you're going to have the most dangerous player on the floor every single game that you play pretty much yeah. outside of maybe like two or three. Because Brandon Miller, like running off of screens, is just absolutely lethal. So you're going to have the best player on the floor. You have two point guards. You, you go back and you look dating all the way back to like Tyler Hansbrough's 2019. Uh, John Shire and Nolan Smith in 2010 won it. It was Kemba Walker and Shabazz Napier in 2011. 2013, Russ Smith, Peyton Seaver. 2014, Shabazz Napier, Ryan Boatwright. 2015, Tyus Jones, Quinko. You go all the way down. All those teams that won it had basically had two point guards. They got two point guards. They got the best player on the floor. Wow. They guard. And they also fit that top 20, top 20 offense, mm-hmm. defense thing. Go ahead, Fanta. They're going to be favored in every remaining SEC game, except maybe their road game at Tennessee. That's it. If you look at their SEC schedule, the remainder of it, they're going to be favored in pretty much every game, maybe one mm-hmm. that they're not. Like, they're, they're having an incredible year. And to your point, like, when you combine that defensive rim protection – and I'm amazed by the poise of the freshman class to be able to start three freshmen and play the with just how composed they are. Mark Sears was an invaluable transfer ad. And guys, they have the best freshman in the country. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, he's making a run at best player in the country. Yeah, he's up there. Let me ask you guys this. Where I would you put the best player in America? Where so you mentioned Houston. Um mm-hmm. you mentioned Kansas. Kansas. I put Kansas two and Houston three this week. Okay, then you probably I, you need to have UCLA up there somewhere, right? I put Purdue four and UCLA five. Okay, so let me ask you this: if you if we can assume that Purdue is going to get thirteen points and five and a half assists from Braden Smith every game here on out, and they're going to get um, they're going to get seventeen points a night and two assists a night from Fletcher Lawyer, and combined those guys are going to shoot over forty percent from three, which is what they've done the last three games. Like to me. If if we know that that's what we're getting from those guys, like I, I still think Alabama's the best team in the country. I don't know where like Purdue being number two, like I it's just they are really really fucking good when those guys are playing the way that they're playing. Yes, they're yeah. really really good, and I just I, I feel like we kind of forget about them a little bit because you know we were all into them early in the year and they really haven't had a huge win um, since. Well, I mean. Hey. They got an opportunity as we're doing this pod on Monday mm-hmm. afternoon into evening. They're going to have the nation watching. A lot of people are off work, and they play 2.30. It is the lone game of the day to really watch in college basketball. All right, let's lock it in right now. You guys got to make a pick, all right? I'm going to bring up – I don't have the line in front of me. People are going to be listening to this after it happens, so that's a lot of pressure. You're either going to sound like a genius or you're going to sound like an idiot. Purdue is at East Lansing. Purdue is laying three and a half points. T.O., lock it in. Make a prediction. You got to bet the house Purdue on Purdue is laying three and a half points. That means they're favored or they're Purdue minus three and a half. Oh, see, I, yeah, see, I, I don't gamble all that much. So the lingo I need to catch up with. Um, I would pick Michigan State, man. I like, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I've stayed on that train for a while. Those kids, the, those guys play freaking hard. They got a lot of bodies that could throw at people. And uh, older guards versus younger guards. I think I would pick Michigan State in the playing against the Izone. That place is going to be a lituation there in East Lansing. I'm jealous of you, Fanta. Sparty, riding Tom Izzo's crew. I like him. Uh, Malik Hall has to play his tail off in this game. Purdue's got the freshman backcourt. Michigan State's got a veteran one. 
Michigan State's told us they, that they believe they got the best backcourt in the Big Ten. Show it. You're at home. I like Tom Izzo's group. My only concern is whether or not uh, Malik Hall plays. He looked like he might have aggravated that foot injury against Illinois. There is no update on him. Um, we haven't seen anything come out of Michigan State yet. If I was Michigan State, I wouldn't say anything until the last minute that I possibly could. But uh, if Malik Hall plays, I tend to lean towards uh, Tom Izzo plus the points at home. Yes. yes. That's the lean. Mm-hmm. That's the lean. But if Purdue wins, it wouldn't surprise any of us. But that's the lean. The lean is on Breslin Center being wild. And Michigan State, who was in – by the way, Friday night – in college hoops was very, very overlooked maybe going in. It did not disappoint. I'm telling you what, we need more Friday night games in the sport. Uh, the, the conferences who are cashing in on these Friday night games are winning because – VCU, a, man. Shout out to VCU. Unbelievable. I Unbelievable. Cannot, I cannot believe VCU, Dave. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm still stunned at the, at the result in that game. I, t- I was texting Terrence. I said, Terrence – I have never seen a team win a game like this ever, ever. Dayton, I'm, Dayton was up by four with 28 seconds left at home. With the ball. They turned with, the ball over the three ball. times in 10 seconds. I have with never collapse. seen that in a game. Never. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Friday night games are fun. And my point was, Michigan State, if you watched the game, you would have been sitting there 30 minutes in the game being like, yeah, Michigan State's going to win this game. Uh, and they lost. They unraveled. And you know, Coleman like, Hawkins woke up, man. And then Coleman yeah. Hawkins woke up. He was awesome in like the last six minutes of that game. Coleman Hawkins, like, I don't understand. Like, there's no, there's no in between with him. He either looks like he's shaving points, or he looks like he is the second coming of LeBron <laughs> James. Like, there's no in between. He's either horrible, right? As uh, as Robbie Hummel would put it, he can only perform when he is playing against the directional school, or he looks like a guy that should have been out of college basketball and into the first round two years ago. I, it's just, it's, it drives me insane. I don't know. I love Dane like. Danger too. I love yes. Dane Danger. And Matthew Meyer had six blocks against Michigan State. Terrence Shannon got it going again. Like I'm, I'm, I'm back in on, on Illinois. I'm back in on the Illinois is good again bandwagon. So listen, Fanta, I know you got to drive. So I'm going to let you drive for, uh, for Terrence Oglesby, for John Fanta, this has been the DTF Podcast. Check out the merch store. Subscribe to The Daily. You already know that by now if you're listening to this podcast. So we will see you guys again next Monday. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.